Thanks for dropping by. This is Elizabeth Spring at North Node Astrology and NorthNodeAstrology.com. Today I'm going to be talking about um, synchronicity again. This is part two. Uh, it's a part two of Sweet Synchronicity, Finding Annie Besant, which is a book um, that I wrote a couple of years ago. And I'm reading um, part of the first chapter here, and it brings in the uh, astrology and the issue of synchronicities in um, my birth chart and the, the chart of a woman in history named Annie Besant. Um, we were both born on October 1st. She was born in 1847, and I was born in 1947. And this is the story of how I found her, how she influenced the next seven years of my life, and how she changed my life. And um, anyway, I am not going to tell you more right now. Uh, it is from a book that is on Amazon, um, Sweet Synchronicity. Um, and I want to thank you for coming by. And if you like this podcast, uh, consider leaving a review or a comment on uh, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, I'd love to hear if you are interested in this part of what I can share. I also like to share on other aspects of astrology and the nodes. Um, but this is what I'm doing right now and love to hear your comments. Bye-bye for now. Part 2, excerpt from Sweet Synchronicity. I finished the last page of the old red book and sat staring out the bay window. Harry walked in the back door from the pottery studio. What's happening, sweetie? I attempted a smile. He walked over and ruffled my disheveled hair, which I tried to keep up in a proper bun on the top of my head. My dark blonde hair was getting too long, and yet I loved that old-fashioned look that seemed to fit me. I must have looked serious, though. Come, have a glass of wine, honey. You've got to put those books away. He pulled up a chair and poured two glasses while I stared out the window. So, out with it, my dear. What's wrong? After 14 years of marriage, he knew when I was in a mood. The blood rushed to my cheeks. I gave his hand, squeezed, and picked up the little book I'd bought that first day. I found Annie and handed it to him. He took it out of my hands and with a, a mocking grand gesture, read a section of the back cover. Quote, Annie Besant grew into becoming what George Bernard Shaw called the greatest orator of the century, as well as his financial supporter and mentor. When she traveled across America in 1922, she often spoke to packed theater houses and auditoriums six nights a week and was frequently given $1,000 a night, unquote. Wow, she was quite a superstar back then, Harry's eyebrows lifted. Keep reading, I whispered. Well, in 1989, at the age of 41, she shocked the world when she became a devoted supporter of the Russian psychic Madame Helena P Blavatsky. And on Blavatsky's death, 
Two years later, Annie became president of the world's largest occult religion, Theosophy. Although Annie was always committed to social betterment, it was the search for life's meaning and spiritual truth which was the most consistent thread running through her life. At the age of 60, her political activities resurfaced, and after years of inciting the Indians for home rule in India, Annie became, at the age of 70, the president of India's National Congress, just before Gandhi. Can you believe this, I said, one woman? He looked at me surprised. My eyes must have looked like shiny dark pools. I had lost so much sleep. But still, why are you in this state? Was your mother... I shook my head and grabbed the book again. Listen to this. I went on reading. Her most outrageous act was when she presented to the world her adopted son, J. Krishnamurti, as a spiritual teacher, a young Indian boy the newspapers called the Young Messiah. I threw the book down. These wealthy British theosophists groomed him to be the second coming of Christ. I picked up the book again and opened it to a newspaper photo of Annie with Krishnamurti on her arm saying, young Messiah to come to America. Look here, this was in 1927. She must have really seen something extraordinary in him. I took a sip of wine and went on. So Annie and thousands of people actually believed that this very quiet boy whom they had raised like an English Brahmin to be a star, to be a guru, would be the avatar for the new age, the one Madame Blavatsky predicted would come. And you know what? He did. Harry leaned towards me, looking on the edge of confusion. No, this is unbelievable. This is true? All true. I gulped down some wine and continued. Well, first this boy just about had a nervous breakdown. No, he did have a nervous breakdown around the age of... 30, and then he stood up one day in Holland on the grounds of a castle that one of his wealthy supporters had given him and gave the most astounding speech to thousands of people who were expecting him to announce his coming as a messiah. He said, no, I'm not who you were expecting. I can only teach you one thing, and that is how to be totally and unconditionally free. Unbelievable, Harry gasped. Yes, so this young Indian boy started speaking about trying to live in the moment, fresh, without the baggage of our past conditioning, and that we didn't need to have organized religions to find God. He was so charismatic and his message so new that Annie simply said, He has come. And yet he wouldn't be a theosophist. He was the most anti-guru guru they'd ever heard speak and full of passion and conviction. Harry nodded. I sensed right then that this was going to change something, but I didn't know what. He stared at me with his tired blue eyes. He was finishing a full day in the pottery shop and his pants were covered with clay dust. He probably was ready for us to make dinner. 
I stroked the cover of the red book. I couldn't stay quiet. But you know what is really sad is that Annie never really knew that her adopted son, Krishnamurti, really did grow into being just what she had proclaimed him to be, one of the world's great spiritual leaders. The prediction actually became true. Oh, I remember him now, he said. He was very popular in the 1960s and 70s, wasn't he? When everyone got on board with the idea that God was within us and we could follow our own path to God, that we could create our own lives in reality, right? He said. Exactly. Harry got it. I smiled back, glad that he remembered. Honey, there's one other thing. I don't know why I have to do this, but I must, and then we'll make dinner. I paused. What? He looked a little unnerved now. I have to find out what this means for me. There's something strange happening here. Look, our astrology charts, they're so similar. Look, we were born 100 years and five minutes apart. She was born in 1847 at 5.39 p.m. And I was born 1947 at 5.34 p.m. Hmm. October 1st. I opened my notebook to our charts. I don't get this, and I don't understand about these invisible worlds that she talks about so much. I paused, and Harry's face twitched. But look at this. I I pointed to a quote on a page that I had ripped out of a journal I had kept many years ago. It read, quote, No soul that aspires can ever fail to rise. No heart that loves can ever be truly abandoned. Difficulties exist that in overcoming them, we may grow strong. And only those who have suffered are able to save. Unquote. You know who wrote that, I asked? Annie Besant. I just found it again. I don't remember where or when I found it. I paused and looked out the window again, wondering how my ever-patient Harry would take to my next piece of news. Anyway, that's not important. What is important is that I've decided that I'm going to see this woman tomorrow. She's a psychic, a, a really respected one. She's supposed to be great. I paused. And I'm going to pray for Annie to come through her to me to see why I'm so drawn to her. Then I'll know. His light lips tightened. Know what? I don't know. My head dropped as I touched my chest and inhaled. I guess I want to know why she's come into my life like this, at this time, with these astrological synchronicities, and why I feel such a hard connection to her. It was quiet for a moment. When I looked up, I could have sworn that the light outside the window had darkened into a luminous yellow. It looked as if a storm was approaching, and the wind was whipping up the undersides of the leaves on the trees by our house. A branch snapped a harsh whack against the house. You know, Harry, this could change my life, our lives. You're going to make some kind of life decision based on a psychic? 
I don't know. Maybe I'll just find out if synchronicities like these really matter, I said. They could, couldn't they? I mean, astrology is based on the synchronicity of your birth time and place. And Carl Jung said that our birth time was the most important synchronistic moment of our life. Harry looked like he was going to launch into a crusade of reasonableness when I interrupted him. It's all flap doodle, right? I grinned and narrowed my eyes at him, knowing that that one word had more meaning than he'd ever guess. It was the favorite expression of Annie's Russian mentor, Madame Blavatsky, whenever she got annoyed. Flap doodle. Elizabeth, I can accept the psychological astrology you practice, but psychics and all this, it's so dense and occult, it almost gives me the creeps like this weather right now. I saw our dog dash inside for covers. The sky opened up and dropped its rain. My voice became a whisper. Why hasn't anyone told her story, Harry? Even this book has got an attitude. Why has she been overlooked in history, almost erased? Because people thought she was crazy? People criticize what they don't understand, but nobody knows this story, her story, the true story, not the drivel that the newspapers of her time wrote about. They just mocked her, and the historians simply wrote her out of history. Now she's collecting dust on the shelves. Hmm, so maybe you're the one to tell her story, Harry stated. Well, the next morning, I went to see the psychic, and I prayed. I drove over to a wood-shingled colonial house in a downtown area of Newport, parked my car, and walked over to the address on my paper. I checked the number again. She was on the third floor. On every step of the way up, I repeated Annie's name like a mantra, as if to give me courage. I tried not to think of the fact that I didn't really like psychic mediums, that I was afraid of knowing too much, and that I'd never wanted to know more of the future than what you know, a simple astrology chart could show me. Astrology honored free will and the ability to change one's fate. I didn't know if most psychics have that point of view, but it was too late to think of that now. I knocked. Candace was a little older than I had expected, and she wore a long skirt, peasant blouse, with even longer earrings and grain ringlets framing a delicate face. She had a sincere smile that beamed at me as she led me into a small round um, through a small room with a round table on which was lit a candle, tarot cards, and assorted books. There was a faint herbal smell coming from the kitchen. Would you like some tea, she asked. I took her raspberry blended tea and sipped it with my skepticism growing at the same rate as my hope. I found it hard to drink the tea. Candace looked down at my hands. Do you wear that bracelet a lot, she asked me. I nodded. Could I hold it? I handed it to her, and she closed her eyes. I waited for what seemed to be almost too long. The first words out of her mouth were these. I hear the name Annie. 
she's saying something about the two of you collaborating on a project. She looked at me. I stopped breathing and just nodded my head. Yes. Another, even longer pause. Ah, does she live in New York City or somewhere close, this Annie? I shook my head no, but smiled. I had heard what I needed to hear in her first sentence. The rest was a blur. As I retraced my way downstairs, I knew with every ounce of my being that I needed to write the story of Annie's life, and I needed to begin it now. (laughs) And so I did. (laughs) And so that's how this, this book, Sweet Synchronicity, Finding Annie Besant, Discovering Krishnamurti, came into being. Actually, before this, I wrote a screenplay about her life, and this book tells the story about researching and delving into Annie's life and writing the screenplay and what happened with the screenplay. And um, there is astrology that weaves its way through the book. And I think that most of you listeners would find it really interesting. So it is on Amazon.com. And if you are... um, if you love listening to these podcasts, please leave a, consider leaving a review at Apple Podcasts. It's really easy to do, and I would love to hear from you. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to be continuing with this thread of uh, thought on the synchronicities and Annie. I'll probably weave in some other direct material about the nodes, Uh, But we'll see, and I'd love to hear from you, too, if you feel to comment. Bye-bye for now. (laughs) 